Hi there and thanks for joining us. Well, we are very much in the middle of phase one of reopening the Irish economy and so far so good, but there are still lots of businesses really suffering, not least the hotel sector. And today we're going to hear from two people making the best of a really bad situation. And as well as that, we're going to celebrate the innovators with a fifth generation shop that's just moved online. I'm Jonathan Healy and this is Red Business. Business Podcast with Jonathan Healy and McCarthy Insurance Group. Putting business in Cork first. MIG.ie. It's the businesses who are making that shift who will be able to trade through these difficult times. And one of those is on the line right now. Ian Lucy is the owner of the Good Food Shop in Mallow. Ian, how are you? Very well, thanks. Very well. How are you keeping? I'm good. Good to talk to you. You've just launched online, have you? We have. It's something that we've been working on for a while and of course we've accelerated things now uh, due to present conditions. Um, and uh, we've, you know, a lot of people are at home, they're feeling anxious about coming out and they're not being able to get to us. So we said, look, we'll start go- we'll, we'll go to them. So that was the kind of thought process behind it. Okay, and a very logical and sensible one it is. What does the good food shop sell? I think the, the clue is probably in the title. Yes, indeed. So, uh, brief history, I'm fifth generation to take over the business, and we started off as butchers. Traditionally, we, we came from Ballivorney slash Bandon and moved up to Mallow uh, around 1880. So, we were in Bandon in 1860, and uh, so it's been carried on through the generations. Um, our, 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 what we do now is we do food across the board. So, I mean, fresh bakery, we sell wine, um, fresh deli, fresh fish, but I mean, our business would have been would have been predominantly um, fresh meat. Um, and what we a couple of years ago, what we decided to do was we decided to make everything ourselves. That was our the concept behind what we wanted to do to protect ourselves against the supermarkets and the the bigger guys, the bigger fish. Um, so what we're doing now is uh, beef comes all from our own cattle, and we get local free range pigs. Uh, we're getting free range chickens from. Um, Boeing, which is just up the road from us, um, and as much as possible, everything is homemade. So homemade bread, homemade salads, uh, all juice coming from our own apples and orchards, and um, that's the, what we're trying to do. Fairly labour-intensive, if you don't mind me saying. It's easier to buy Very. it off a shelf, but I'm presuming the quality is a hell of a lot better. Well, look, I mean, that is the downside to what we're doing in the sense that it is very, very labour intensive. We currently have 20 staff working with us at the moment. Um, We could quite easily buy the stuff in, sell it on, but then you're just the same as everybody else. And that's not what we're trying to do. Um, So, like, it is, as I said, if we run out of a product, it takes us a bit to get it back up up and going again. But it's just a case of predicting that and positioning yourself. And, you, you know, as I said, we've been around a long time. So, you know, you'd like to think you know what you're doing. What's it been like though for customers who are used to coming into the shop and you having the natter over the counter and, and and knowing them personally and knowing almost by the look of someone coming through the door what they're going to buy? Yes. And having to do that online must be quite the jump for you. Yeah, but at the moment it seems to be a lot of our it's a lot of customers that we know are coming to us online. So they're putting a little note at the bottom of it, telling me who they are and explaining. And you know exactly, you nearly know now who they are. But this is early stages for us, yes. So um, it's when it starts growing, and if it starts going outside of our comfort zone in the in the sense of the locality, that's when it's going to be a little bit different. 
No, what we have been doing is we have been doing this before. We do a thing called Baby Nights In, which is a gift-wrapped box of dinners. Um, so the concept behind that was that somebody was having a baby. They didn't know, first-time babies especially, they came home with the baby and they were freaked out. The last thing they did was cook a dinner or cook food for themselves. So people would buy a box of dinners, which we would provide and we would send, and we were sending them all over the country. So we had we had that done already. Um, they were coming in in, um, in an ice box, which would keep the food cold for 48 hours, and we were guaranteeing delivery within 24 hours. So we were doing that anyway. Um, so, I mean, that type of thing, you know, we had built up over a couple, maybe two years, we had built up... Um, I suppose, experience in sending food out from the shop. Mm. Are you finding, though, that there is a little bit more love for the small Irish producer right now? Uh, Down to the fact that, I suppose, we can't travel very far um, and there's a sense that we all realise that we're in this together. Uh, Are are people willing to part with a few bob more readily now for an online sale to the good food shop than they might have done had it been an offer six months ago? Honestly, I don't know. Um, the reason being is that, like, we wouldn't actually think of ourselves as more that more expensive than the likes of the supermarkets. Now, quality, you know, if you put the two products right next to each other, um, it's it's not apples for apples. Um, but I still don't think we are that more expensive because I do walk into supermarkets and I do look around and look at the prices, and you know, the butchers are not they're perceived to be more expensive, but it's not necessarily the case. Um, so that would be the first thing. And the second thing is, you know, like even customers coming into us now, over the, coming into the shop, they have a little bit more time. There's, there doesn't seem to be any panic or any rush. And they're coming in, they're queuing up and they're coming in. And we're actually having to spend, we're able to spend a bit more time with them actually and talk to them. And there seems there seems to be uh, an ease with, with with purchasing. And they will, they're spending more now because they're coming less. Mm. Um, um, you're funny though you mentioned the fact a question I have to ask you is if you started in Bandon and ended up in Mallow how come you left Bandon? The, the, the truth was that um, there was two brothers and back in the day they both were butchering and um, they were told the story goes one of them took over the shop and the other fellow was told if you want to open up a shop it needs to be outside of, outside of Bandon get moving <laughs> and Supposedly, he came to Mallow and he stopped in Mallow and hence we're here since. Hence, the rest but, is um, history. Well, anyway, I, I don't know how the other brother did, but at least you're, you're still trading now. But <laughs> what, I was, what, what I was getting to, Ian, is that uh, you've ridden out many recessions, ups and downs, wars and, um, and challenges over the years. So uh, how do you rate this current one? I don't know if it's your first or second recession, but um, you know, if, if you weathered the others, are you going to weather this? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, I'm I'm not, you know, I'm more anxious for people out there who are suffering, people who are under pressure. Now, an awful lot of our business is gone. We would have had, we were growing and developing into the catering side of things. Uh, we were doing contract catering and we were supplying schools. We were supplying um, a lot of uh, corporates with, with food uh, on a daily basis. We were doing a lot of organizations like the COPE and the Alzheimer's Society in Mallow. That's all gone. Um, but again, like this now, when one door closes, another one opens, and you start looking at the online stuff, and you start pushing that. But I mean, when you're in it, and you're like, we're working very hard. We we start work at five o'clock in the morning, 
we come in, we're still working at five o'clock in the morning. So when you're in it and you're, you're, you're doing what you're doing and you believe what you're doing, well, then you just keep going. Um, and your concern is for people actually not in your business, but people outside your customers coming in and you're worried and you're like elderly people there. Um, we started doing home deliveries. So they would ring us, they would order food and we were even going to the chemists, picking up stuff for them and delivering it to them. And I had, I personally had a run one day, there were five or six calls to do on my way home and I was just stopped as one lady and she went, she was kind of not really leaving me go. And I got the feeling, even though I wanted to get back into the van and go again, I got the feeling, hold on a minute, now we'll wait. And we stopped and we we spoke for about 15 minutes. I said, you know, this lady doesn't have anyone to talk to today. Mm. After I got into the van and I just said, this lady needs somebody. You know, so it's not just the meat. It's not just the food. You know, you are, you're in the community. We've been in it for so long. So, yes, I do think we will get through it. Um, but I do think we, we have a, a duty as well to people and a service to provide to people. Uh, which is outside just giving them the actual meat and the actual food. Well, I think that if you were looking to sum up um, the current issues facing not just the community but business, you, you've done it exceptionally well and it sounds like you're doing it exceptionally well. Ian, if people want to buy stuff from the Good Food Shop in Mallow, how can they find you on the internet? So if, if it's lucysgoodfood.com or Google Lucy's Mallow and we'll pop up and... Um, yeah, everything is on the everything is on the um, the website there, so mm. they can get get in contact with us through that. Okay. Or and all our contact details, my contact details are on that, so they can contact contact us direct as well. Uh, Ian, it's absolutely killing me because the rule of red business is if you are a food producer, you bring fruit to studio so I can eat it while looking at okay. you. And terribly because of the situation we're in we can't do that right now but I'm looking forward to getting down to you uh, in Mallow soon enough Ian fair play for everything you're doing Ian Lucy of the Good Food Shop thanks so much for joining us thanks Megan Red Business with McCarthy Insurance Group putting business in Cork first MIG.ie One of the areas of industry that has been most affected by COVID-19 has been the hotel sector they literally had to close overnight and they are still not sure exactly how they will be operating when they're allowed to open again but that's not stopping my next guest from putting plans together uh, for how his hotel might not just have guests but support businesses who will need support um, when we get back to going to offices. Um, Dermot Vaughan is the General Manager of the Cork Airport Hotel. He's been on the podcast before. Dermot, good to have you back with us. Hi, Jonathan. Good afternoon. How are you? Uh, I'm very well. Look, the Cork Airport Hotel, people will be very familiar with it. It's the, uh, I suppose, the the older of the two hotels, if I could just use that for geographical purposes. Um, it was done up, fantastic investment in the hotel in recent years, and then all of a sudden, no one can stay with you anymore. I mean, it's been a difficult few weeks, I'm guessing. Yeah, I suppose. It's been a difficult um, few weeks. Uh, we closed the hotel on Monday the 16th of March. Um, and we closed it before, I suppose, um, any guidelines came in from government. Uh, we closed it down to business. Um, obviously, we saw a massive drop in business when, I, when, when COVID really hit Ireland first at the start of March. So... Um, it's been a very difficult, challenging time for our, our industry, um, but we're not alone. Um, I think it, it's fair to say that the whole country, all industries are suffering. Um, so uh, I think we're all in it together. I think there's been a, a very much a, a national effort um, in the fight against COVID. But um, in, in saying that, 
um, our industry has had to shut down um, overnight um, with um, our group in Trigon with over 200 employees with ourselves, the International and the um, the Metropole Hotel in the city centre. So um, with that, um, hotels are going to be very different, Jonathan, when we do open. So that's that's the, the main reason for our thinking. We've talked a lot on the podcast in the last few weeks about innovation and how how businesses are innovating. What uh, are the things that your offices and your traditional workers will have to get used to is the fact they all can't be there at the same time. And, and this is potentially a bit of a gap in the market that you've identified using the hotel and the spaces that you have to allow for that overflow for, for staff who can't go to their own office for social distancing reasons, but who can access an office in a hotel such as yours. Yeah, I, um, I told a hotel uh, from the outside, people will, will see see a hotel and the operation of a hotel very much in in the in line with what their needs and their wants are. So some people might never stay in a hotel, Johnson, but they might rely on a hotel very much for the food and beverage. Um, some people will use it in terms of the corporate um, for facilities such as meeting rooms um, for many different reasons. And then you'd obviously have people who, who use hotels um, primarily for um, for bedroom for overnight. Um, so a large part of our business is obviously our bedrooms. We have a very good food and beverage um, offering, as you know. And then on the other side of it, we have five meeting rooms that have been that have been going. And I, I know I spoke to you um, on a recent podcast um, in relation to our uh, meeting room offering. Um, we have five meeting rooms that are extremely sought after we've been very well we've built up a great reputation in relation to our offering and our facilities and our customer service around them um, and and it's obviously very beneficial to our location um, but we can see um, the the meeting room the conference and banqueting coming back um, as strong uh, Jonathan with social distancing people um, aren't going to be able to have that meeting room where you have 20, 30, 40, 50 people in a room or even up to 100 um, because of social distancing. And we do feel that uh, for the foreseeable future, certainly to the year end, um, people are going to be working from home, working remotely um, is going to be a thing that's going to be more common. Um, so we need to utilise our space um, and we, we, we have looked at it that there are companies and there are companies out there and we've got a lot of traction since we put it out maybe uh, five or ten days ago. I really pushed it out. Um, you're going to have companies um, in, in a lot of different sectors who might have 30 or 40 people on, on one floor with, who are hot desking or, um, or sharing space um, in terms of for food and beverage for their own break. So we, we have a facility um, that's available um for a company um uh, to come in and use one meeting room or use all five and we've got a lot of inquiries um so far um for that space okay and you're offering things like a relocation coordinator we want to make this as painless as possible don't we on every level for the people who have to move in and for those who are trying to find the space for them and, and I, that that's where hotels can come into their own hospitality is what you do you're just doing it on a different level of corporate now yeah, I, I suppose uh, you you take a you take a wedding when someone when someone uh, puts the faith of their biggest day of their life into your hands. You have a wedding coordinator, so it's something we have we have um, a conference and banking coordinator here in the hotel. Um, so it's that it's that ease of, ease of transition between obviously 
from wherever they're located currently to coming up here to your setup to your uh, food and beverage requirements so that's all included your car parking your internet access um your postage everything that we want to make it seamless so that someone can just turn the key and walk in and, and have their facility with us for a, a two months, a three months or um, or a six month period. Okay, and uh, that makes evident sense and it's a good idea. Um, dear, I want to finish up by talking to you about the GAA because you're a big GAA head as we know. How much are you missing sports right now and how much are you missing uh, team sports such as uh, the yeah, one that you would hold so dear? It, it's, it's obviously a massive void in your life. Um, I've only had a conversation with a colleague the other day, and we were going around, colleagues. We were going around a Zoom call, and um, it's 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 a massive it's a massive difference. It's a massive um, it's a massive change in your life, um, but so is work. So like the, the norm is totally gone. Um, I miss the competitiveness of it. I miss the I miss the organisation. I miss the adrenaline. I miss the ups and the downs. But the G will come back. We we will see it back, and I think people are are missing a lot of things personally at the moment but i think the most important thing is um is that this is a health crisis and i think we can't be we can't be zoned in on what we're we're um what we're missing in terms of i wouldn't even call g a hobby it's more it's more of a passion but i i do i do i do think that we need to step back and realize that this is a crisis and unfortunately there's people um, losing their lives yeah, and, and that is the great leveller in all of this. Um, how can people find out more, David, about uh, that new, uh, I suppose we'll call it an office offering uh, in the Cork Airport Hotel? Yeah, so it's it's available um, full, full. All our information is on our website. Um, also, um, my email address and our sales team email addresses are on that. Um, calling the hotel. Um, and it's also on, on our social media platforms as well. Okay, CorkAirportHotel.ie is the website if you're looking for it. Dermot Vaughan of the Cork Airport Hotel, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, Jonathan. The Red Business Podcast with Jonathan Healy and McCarthy Insurance Group. Putting business in Cork first. MIG.ie My next guest is someone who's been on the podcast before in a, a very different job, but has now decided that it's a very good time to really push forward with his own consultancy, a very successful one at that, and we'll get to it. But Seamus Leahy, how are you? I'm very well, Jonathan. I hope um, this lockdown is treating you well. It's it's doing okay. Uh, a little bit stir-crazy, but we got out of the house a little bit more this week, so I think that that's a positive. How's it been for you? I'm a bit a bit similar. I just had my five-year-old daughter showing me that she's nearly perfected the splits now this morning, so um, some people are putting the time to good use at least. Well, I'm hoping that you didn't try the splits because that mightn't have ended well for you. No, no, it, it, let me be very clear, it was not me. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, let's talk about your background, because we would have spoken, uh, you, you've been in hospitality your entire career, uh, and you did great work with Photo Island Resort, and we talked to you about Santi and Christmas and everything that you had there. Um, tell us a little bit, I suppose, at the beginning about Invite Resorts uh, and what you've been doing. Yeah, Invite Resorts, would you believe, Jonathan, is around since 2009. Um, uh, And basically, uh, it's a hotel and hospitality consultancy and and asset management company that um, works with a lot of um, properties in Ireland, UK, and even in Germany, and and helps, um, helps them in various scenarios. What's interesting is, I suppose, it came to the fore back in 2008, 9, when FOTA itself 
due to the owner's position within to um, receivership. Um, Fota itself was doing well. And long story short, the um, the receivers, PWC, uh, asked us to continue to manage Fota. Um, we got on well with them and they said, would you look at one or two other properties with us and invite resorts kind of came out of that. And we worked with the likes of back then in 2009 with um, KPMG, PwC, Grand Thornton, some of the pillar banks as well. And we worked with them with distressed assets, trying to get them back on the road, ready for sale, ready for recovery, depending on what the needs of the, each particular asset was. Okay, so uh, PwC were good partners back then. Uh, they've actually produced some really interesting facts about the hospitality sector and how exposed it has been uh, to this most recent crisis. I, there, there's a phenomenal amount of people working in the sector, isn't there? Particularly in this part of the world. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at it, Jonathan, I mean, it varies, but there must be, what, 60,000 um, hotel bedrooms in Ireland approximately at this stage. Um and that's just hotels. Leave aside your Airbnbs, your your holiday cottages, and so on. The number of people working is is phenomenal, and the vast majority of them have been put, um, you know, have been on leave for a number of months now since this crisis has happened. Yeah, and it's I think it's something like one billion above one billion goes into the exchequer from that industry. How quickly? Is that industry going to be able to bounce back, Seamus? Because I know we have dates that are written down, but even when those dates come around, it is not going to be business as usual. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things, and I see a lot of the hotel sector talking about, and we all hate the phrase, but the new normal, the operating practicalities that are going to be so much different from when they're, um, from when they closed down. But if I take it back a step first, Jonathan, I think is really the the bigger concern for me is if you look at it, and I'm going to make it simple. I mean, every hotel has, has a variety of segments they go after. But if you look at it, there's kind of a, a few of them. There's domestic leisure, there's international tourism leisure, and then there's corporate. Um, you can put on top of that, there's events as well. Now, if you look at each of those segments in their own right, um, the corporate business isn't going to come back quickly for two reasons. One, a lot of the corporates don't have money anymore because they've they've spent their their um, nest egg trying to get through this crisis and try to restart. And number two, the health and well being of their staff they wouldn't be inclined to send them places, right? So that's going to be slow coming back. If you look at the international tourism, I mean, the figures from Ryanair and Aer Lingus alone will tell you what's happening there. Um, so that's not going to come back anytime quickly. And therefore, this 60,000, sorry, if I look at events, again, it's hard to do a wedding for 300 people now and your room size and all that. So again, that's going to be a difficult space to operate in. So the 60,000 bedrooms now... Yeah, there 60,000 yeah, bedrooms could become very important because we will have a domestic market that will be absolutely craving a little bit of normality and getting away. Uh, we don't know how that might look yet, but uh, I mean, would they do well to invest in that market right now? And most importantly, they, not they do no which, which may come, invest yeah, in that market, Jonathan. Yeah, but but what what we need to do is make sure that we don't make the mistake that has happened before and absolutely gouge because we know the only market available is the domestic one, so we can charge what we like uh, and to hell with you. I, I think it's probably going to be, I think um, supply is going to outstrip demand, Jonathan. 
right? Um, because I think, yes, there are going to people, there is a pent-up demand about getting breaks and whatever. But if you look at it, a lot of those people with that pent-up demand also have their um, their income has been affected heavily, so they might not be able to afford what they would have been able to in the past. And also, a lot of them would still have very genuine health concerns. They might have a member of their family cocooning, um, and they might be worried about what might happen and so on. So I don't know if the supply of bedrooms will outstrip the demand. And I suspect gouging won't be the issue. I suspect that prices will actually come down, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, of all the years you've seen crises, and again, you, you referenced at the very start there, the crisis that, that got you involved in VOTA. When you think about that, is is this bigger than 10 years ago? Is this bigger than what happened after 9-11? Is, is this the biggest existential threat to what has become one of our biggest industries in this country? I think it is um, a big threat, at least in the short and medium term, because I think a lot of businesses will struggle to reopen and to trade successfully. I think hospitality will suffer more than other industries. I think other industries might bounce back quicker, but I think hospitality will probably suffer more than a lot of them. For some of the reasons we touched about before, we can't import the solution as easily as we did in the previous crisis. I'll give you an example. I actually worked in retail for a number of years and we had a tourism shop in Killarney at the time. Um, and uh, when the foot and mouth crisis, was that 2000, um, happened, uh, the turnover in that tourism retail shop in Killarney halved um, overnight. Uh, so, and that was just with the Americans not coming. Now, if you put the Americans not coming, the British not coming and the, uh, and the Northern Europeans are coming. It's going to create a much, much bigger pressure within that hospitality space, particularly when you can't back it up with corporates, you can't back it up with with events and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to have an enormous pressure on, uh, on the hospitality trade. I go on top of that as well. If you look at it, um, if you look at it from uh, uh the the operational practicalities your your rooms are are one element of it but you also have your restaurants and your outlets your spa um you have all of these elements that are uh, now going to trade at a much lower capacity and therefore your other revenue streams will also be affected so you put that on top of it um and yes hospitality is generally a relatively cash rich place because we get the money early in the in the trading process and so on it's still going to be under a lot of pressure as the months um roll by okay well well that brings okay. us to uh, the start of the interview again which is uh, invite resorts and, and the emphasis that you're putting on it now i mean there will be a need for firefighting in the sector because the sector is going to be under such pressure is that where you guys come in that's it. I suppose that's what we're looking at. And I, I think it's it's about helping various hospitality outlets um, to, to realize how, how to deal with it. It's one aspect which is going after um, the particular markets that are there and which ones recover and what pace to recover and so on and so forth. But you also have to look at simple things like 
um, what your cash burn is within the business. Is there a way of managing um, that better? Uh, do you need, and without kind of naming any specifics, but do you need, for example, could you outsource your reservations for six months? Do you need to have that? burden on your payroll could you um outsource your finance function or your hr function um are there ways that you can manage your your creditors differently there are ways that you have to look at it how you're going to manage your cash flow at this time and uh making sure that your cash burn is at a minimum and i suppose that's where we would come in and hope that we can help people out we've done it in the past and that's what we'd be looking to do again Okay, well, hopefully uh, there won't be too many making very difficult decisions, but I suspect it's a bumpy road ahead. But you're there if they need you. Uh, Seamus Lee, the website is inviteresorts.com. Absolute pleasure for talking to you again, Seamus, and the best of luck. Mind the splits now, they could hurt. (laughs) Thanks a million, Jonathan. I really appreciate it, and I will take your advice on that. My thanks, as always, to all of my guests. Don't forget, every episode of Red Business is on redextra.ie. Myra Hayes-Goff was the producer, and we'll catch you on the next one. Red Business with McCarthy Insurance Group. Putting business in Cork first. MIG.ie.